0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag.
1: Jesus is there before the foundations of the earth. And oh, by the way, isn't it interesting in the creation account, it's not let me make man in my image. It's let us make man in our image. That's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The triune nature of God.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. From the beginning, there has always been God. Even before time, there was God. And just as God was there before time, He will be with you until the end of your time on earth. In the darkest the hardest moments of life, we tend to feel so alone and desperate. But even in the midst of trials, God is always with you. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Proverbs chapter 30 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Well, good evening and welcome for those of you who are watching. If you're watching live or later, we are so glad that you're joining with us. We are in Proverbs chapter 30, studying the Bible book by book and chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we're almost done with the book of Proverbs. And so one more chapter. So you might want to turn there at this time. So in our study, through this chapter, I would like for us to focus on the Word of God and the wisdom of God as a lifeline, because that's what it is. It's really a, a rescue, a, a lifesaver, a lifeline, as it were. You know, it doesn't matter where you're at in God's Word, because God's Word's alive and it always speaks to wherever you're at. Wherever you're at in God's Word speaks to wherever you're at. That's what God's Word does because God's Word is alive, and such is the case (laughs) with this chapter as we're about to see, especially as we get towards the end. The wisdom that is woven into the fabric of this chapter can rescue us and save us from needless suffering, whether it's suffering the consequences that always ensue when we willfully disobey God, or perhaps more importantly and even appropriately as we witness what's happening in the world. but. It's a lifeline for us in this world, the suffering, the pain and the suffering in this evil fallen world. Let's jump in. Interesting chapter, not uh, written by Solomon. Rather, it's the words, we're told, verse 1, of Agur, the son of Jacob, his utterance. And we're told again, verse 1, this man declared to Ithiel, to Ithiel and Ukal. Interesting that uh, this proverb, this chapter would be deemed a priority for God to include in the canon of Scripture. In other words, it would rise to the level of importance that God would deem it necessary to include it in the pages of Holy Writ for us here tonight, all of these generations later. Certainly there must be a reason, because every word in God's Word is there for a reason. So it's my prayer that we will know why it is that God deemed it necessary to include this chapter in His Word. Now, you'll forgive me, but verse 2 reads, Surely I am more stupid than any man. I, I'm chuckling only because this is the second time now. The first time was in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1, where we saw the word stupid. And you'll forgive me, but I just kind of like saying that word. It's just one of those words that just packs some punch. I mean, he is saying, I am more stupid than any man. Now, in all fairness, the meaning of this word to us now it was not what the meaning of this word was to them then. It really kind of carries with it, as some other translations render it, this idea of being brutish or animal-like. In other words, I'm <laughs> As a man, I'm, I'm living more on the level of an animal and do not have the understanding of a man, he says. You know, it's interesting because God created man in his image, triune in nature. And Satan has sought throughout the history of mankind to reverse that and get man to live on the level of an animal. Dare I say, as we see what's happening in the world today, that the enemy has been met with a measure of success. The brutish behavior displayed. Verse 3, I neither learned wisdom, nor have knowledge of the Holy One. And then he asks, and it it sort of leads up to these questions beginning in verse 4, Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth what is his name? And what is his son's name if you know, oh, I know, and so do you. His name is Jesus, the only name given among man whereby we might be saved. The whole of Scripture testifies of the person of Jesus Christ. Genesis 1.1. Jesus is there before the foundations of the earth. And oh, by the way, isn't it interesting in the creation account, it's not let me make man in my image, it's let us make man in our image. That's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the triune nature of God. Verse 5, I love this. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. Can I just say and add, He is a shield, He is a rescue, He is a lifeline. Every word in God's Word one need look no further than to that very well-known psalm, and rightfully so, Psalm 119, the longest chapter in all of the Bible. And it's appropriate because it is all about the Word of God. The Word of God being a shield. Verse 6, do not add to His words lest he rebuke you, and you be found a liar. Let God be true, and every man a liar." Verse 7. Hey, this is a good prayer, verse 7. Listen to this. By the way, only place in the book of Proverbs where you find a prayer uh, and we have it recorded here in verse 7. And this is the prayer. This is a very good prayer. Listen to this. Two things I request of you, and we're told parenthetically, deprive me not before I die. What are the two things? Verse 8, number 1. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or, secondly, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. That's a good prayer. Lord, don't give me too much that I forget you. And on the other side of that, don't give me too little that I have to go out and dishonor you and profane your name. Give me only that which is my portion, neither poverty nor riches. You know, one of the things over the years that I've always sort of um, pondered, mused concerning is which one is more difficult in the life of a christian is it is poverty more difficult in the life of a christian or is prosperity more difficult in the life of a christian both are difficult and for this reason and i think it's well said in this prayer but i'm convinced that prosperity can be more difficult for the Christian than poverty. And here's why. When you are prospered and blessed, you tend, as a Christian, to put your trust in that. You begin to look to that. And I think of the passage that says, some trust in horses and chariots, but I will trust in the name of the Lord my God, you know we we, we, we tend to start thinking well you know I, I i've got a good reserve here i'm i'm doing good, and so uh, you know we, we hedge against the future and uh, i 'll be okay and we start putting our trust in that and then I think about the proverbs, we had some fun with this one that basically goes like this don't don't feast your eyes on wealth. You want to know why? Because wealth will certainly, it is a certainty, it will sprout wings and fly away to heaven. (laughs) Sounds like the paycheck sometimes where you run out of money before you run out of month. I mean, where did it go? Oh, it flew away. It sprouted wings and flew away. In other words, don't, put your trust in your riches in your prosperity you know when you you don't have it it's almost like you don't really have any choice you have to trust god you don't have next month's rent in the bank you have to trust the lord i think sometimes it's more difficult in prosperity than it is in poverty. But what a great prayer. Verse 10, do not malign a servant to his master, lest he curse you, and you be found guilty. What's this about? Well, I I think it speaks to meddling, getting involved in other people's business, and you start, you know, the little whisper campaign, and Well, I tell you, in the end, it's going to come back to bite you. And the wrong that you're doing will be found out. Verse 11, there is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There is a generation, verse 12, that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are like swords, and whose fangs are like knives, to devour the poor from off the earth, and the needy from among men." Wow. Is it just me, or is that an apt description of this generation? This uh, imagery, I mean, wow, teeth like swords, fangs like knives. You know, the way, and I think it's probably easy for People my age to you know, the the kids these days, you know, that kind of thing. But have you heard how they talk nowadays? Oh my goodness. I mean it's like fangs, I mean it's so like swords, so vile, so foul, so filthy. I mean, you just want to take that soap. Uh, just getting in there. And Verse 15. The leech has two daughters. I love it when there's a personification of God's wisdom. And here's a case in verse 15. So we have... Two daughters. The leech has two daughters. you want to know what their names are? Give and give. They're the same name. Now, we're going to have this expounded on. (laughs) There are three things that are never satisfied. Four never say enough. And here's what they are, verse 16. The grave, never enough. The barren womb, never enough the earth that is not satisfied with water, and number four, the fire never says enough. Verse 17 is a proverb that I think we may have traumatized our children with. Let me read it. I'm sure you're familiar with it. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it." Now, for an eight-year-old, and, you know, when you're having devotions and you say, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 30, verse 17, I'm going to talk to you about how that when you roll your eyes at us, be careful because you might want to start looking now, because the birds are going to come and they're going to pluck those eyes out of your head. It is a deterrent. It does, you know, it just it it you just put the fear of God, you know, at a young age. That's actually not what it's saying. I wish it did, because how cool would that be? Basically, what it's saying is. When you mock your father, and God takes this very seriously, by the way, when you scorn the obedience to your mother, when you dishonor your mother and your father, God takes that very seriously. And so seriously that it could cost you your life. And this imagery of a dead carcass, and you have to understand in Jewish culture, this is unthinkable that a body would remain unburied. Even in my Arab culture in the Middle East to this day, this is unthinkable. There has to be this proper burial, but this very graphic description is of a rebellious child that is such that it will cost them their life, and in their death, The vultures will surround them. The ravens will pluck at their bodies. I mean, it has a a much-needed strength to it. And for good reason. Of all of the commandments, the fifth commandment, right smack in the middle of the ten commandments, God's perfect law, the only commandment that has a blessing, a promise, packaged with it, for lack of a better way of saying it. Honor thy father and thy mother so that the days upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee may be long. Carrying with it the idea of you'll live a long and blessed and prosperous life. And conversely, you dishonor your mother and your father And this is your lot. This is what will happen. Now, why does God take it so seriously? I think that's a good question to answer. Because it is a picture, a type, pointing to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. You know, the whole family unit is a microcosm, a picture of our Heavenly family. He's our heavenly Father. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are siblings in Christ, if I can say it that way. As the church of Jesus Christ, we are the bride of Christ. He is the bridegroom. And there's going to be this huge wedding, the wedding with the Lamb the Lamb of God. We're the bride of Christ. It's all, this, this is why it is, I believe, that God hates divorce. God doesn't hate the divorced. God hates divorce. Why? number of reasons. Chief of which is that marriage, the marriage covenant, is a picture of our marriage covenant, the new covenant that we have in Jesus Christ, which we're going to be celebrating tonight, as Jesus says. This is the blood of the New Covenant. He is speaking as a bridegroom to His bride. That's why God hates divorce. Also, I believe God hates divorce because of what divorce does to the divorced. The absolute destruction and the pain that it causes. Verse 18, there are three things which are too wonderful for me. Yes, four which I do not understand. And they are, verse 19, the way of an eagle in the air. Um, It's been a while since I've seen an eagle soar, but I remember many years ago on the mainland, when i i just watch this eagle in just absolute wonder you don't you don't see an eagle striving you know flapping its wings trying to i mean it just takes the the wind and the air and it just soars ever so beautifully and majestically
0: proverbs is a book of action the sage life applications written in its pages not only give you something to think about But they inspire you to act upon what you've read As you continue to study this book with Pastor JD Approach each nugget of wisdom prayerfully Asking God to show you how you can incorporate it into your own life He can and does teach you through His Word We'd be honored to be praying for you during this study Would you let us know how we could be doing that for you? You can connect with us by visiting our website in com, and clicking on contact under the about tab we'll get in touch with you as soon as we can you'll also find us on facebook and twitter you're welcome to interact with us there pastor jd's teachings are also available on youtube links to all of these are available at our website are you part of a church we want to encourage you to find and begin regularly attending a church in your area if you haven't already If you're near Kaneohe, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. That website also houses all of Pastor JD's teachings, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. It can help you start a conversation with someone you love. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in depth study of Proverbs right here on In Spirit and Truth.